Morning podcast family. Come to you on Thursday morning. Sitting in the backyard doing a little thinking. It's Coach Burns building a dream. I want to talk a little bit today about coaches, trainers, and handlers. Oh my. Lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. Coaches, trainers, and handlers. Oh my. Um, talk about the state and the nature of coaches, trainers, and handlers in the sport of football concerning youth, high school, age, kids. And how there's a huge disconnect between the coaches, the trainers, and the handlers. And what's really sad or funny, if you will, all depend on how you look at it, is we're all supposed to be servicing the same entity, right, being the player, the family of the players, the student athlete, little Johnny, that comes out and practices and plays for us and does all this other stuff, okay? So, we all claim to have that as the number one goal. And that's why we do what we do. But as I sit back and I look at what's going on nowadays in this um, profession, in this sport, and concerning these young folks and the families that really don't know any better and they trust in um, the coaches, trainers, and handlers, to guide them, direct them, give them a sense of understanding about the sport, the process, what it looks like, what it tastes like, what it sounds like, what it smells like, all of those analogies that we use. There's such a great disconnect concerning these exact people that we're supposed to be here helping. Um, It's kind of a three-part deal, so I'll just start with the coaches and being a coach myself, because I am, high school coach, high school football varsity coach, head coach, um, and have been a college coach and been a pro coach, as some of you know. Um, And It's not to revel or, or, or brag, but just given a place of a background so that you can understand out there in podcast land that I'm just not pulling this stuff from the abyss and claiming to be doing something to get a few uh, likes or hits or whatever the case is, but really coming from a place of (laughs) knowing what it looks like and knowing the, knowing what's produced Knowing the product, knowing the the damage that can be created, seeing the damage that can be created. Um, I think there's a lot of um, authority or or power that is given away by coaches when they do not do what coaches 
were originally designed to do. And this isn't taking a shot, it's just stating some facts. So let me be real clear. I'm not saying every coach out there is like this. I'm not saying every trainer or every handler is like this. However, I'm not a real big fan of handlers and the street agent guys. It is a coach's responsibility to help, aid, educate, mentor, bring along, foster relationship, um, discipline, come alongside the parents and the players to pull the best out of them for them, for for the player, for the player. And if they have a goal or an aspiration to play and continue playing after high school or after youth league and go to high school, then I strongly believe that we as coaches need to do everything possible to help them be in position to obtain that goal. At the end of the day, their production, their effort, their attitude dictates a bunch. That's how it should be. Okay? That's how it should be. Anymore, and having been on the side being a college coach, um, I've been in some places where I've heard coaches say, hey, the recruitment of the kid is not my job. It's on the kid. That statement alone is, is like an atom bomb because it blows up the stance or the standard of accountability, responsibility, um, education. It blows that up and then it allows a segue for the trainer and the handler to step in and then um, reduce the power of the authority of the coach. The coach who has all the resources and all the tools and accesses to the colleges and universities out there that are looking for student athletes, you're the first direct line of communication. We are. We are. Coaches, schools come to our campuses. They look for players. They hit us with a prospectus request, prospectus sheet request. They're asking for GPAs, transcripts. They want to know what's going on. Every recruiting coordinator in the United States of America that's on a college football staff has a directory of high schools in the areas and the coaches and ADs and the rosters and there's access to all that. So their jobs are to contact the coaches. That's their jobs, to contact the coaches. I know because I've had to do that at three different universities. Mid-major, major, um, FCF, FBS, bowl national championship contenders, and then mid-major conference championship contenders. So this isn't far-fetched. When you relinquish your control or your power or your authority, and I don't mean that in a way of a dictator, but when you relinquish it and give it and put it in the hands of somebody that is not versed, in the process and how it really works, you open up a can of worms, you open up Pandora's box, you got to be careful. Mr. and Mrs. Jones, it's not my job to get your son to college or get him recruited. You need to make his highlight film. You need to get him recruited. Mr. and Mrs. Jones will then get on the horn, blow up the college coach, get on the horn, uh, get a recruiting service, pay an ungodly amount of money, um, create some highlights that aren't really highlights, inundate the air, flood the, the, the industry, flood the coaches, flood the, the internet, flood the emails with these films, and then um, 
assume a position of knowledge that is really limited and then become a, a, a sense of um, or an authoritative figure on the matter which in turn provides conflict <clears throat> because they may not see eye to eye with the coach and then have the stance or feel that they have the platform to be able to state that and address that because they are now in the process and not knowing what the process looks like and not knowing what a school may need or may not need, not knowing that they may not want to come out west or out east and the budget doesn't look like an in-state versus out-of-state, all these other things that they don't know about. And we have access as coaches, we have access to that information. And providing that we're doing our jobs, we should know these things. I don't think it's fair either that we take little Johnny and we run with little Johnny and little Johnny's our horse and he's our ace and he's our hog and he's our goon and he's the guy that is kicking butt and he's getting his yard, he's getting yards and he's, you know, creating winning opportunities. His name's in the paper and we're kind of riding that horse, right? We're riding the gravy train where we got Sea Biscuit or Man of War going to work and we got him and we're riding him, we're riding him. And then at the end of it, when it's time for him to get on that, that victory stand and, and, and maybe reap the benefits or, or, or go after the desires and the goals that he wanted, right? Having the desires and goals that he had and, and is looking to try to further his deal, um, leaving him out to dry. Once again, I'm not saying it's everybody. I'm just saying that um, there's a vast majority out there. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've dealt with it. I was shaking my head about it even now as I coach high school football and continue to help and, and train myself. I'll train others. I hear conversations that, that I mean, just blow me out of the water. And it's disheartening and it hurts. I have two sons, myself, that have played or are currently playing college ball um, and really, really didn't want to coach them. I really didn't want to be their coach. Because I know what comes with that, and then I didn't want them to have to experience some of that pressure unless they were built for it and ready for it. Because it's it's not easy, um, especially when you have a dad that's coached at pretty high levels. The expectations on the kids become high, and if they don't add up or equal up to what dad did or what what dad is exposed them to, then they're they're not real good or they're not well. So, me being a parent also. Mm. And knowing what this thing looks like and watching from afar for a while until they got to high school. Um, kind of how things played out and watching our sons play for some pretty successful youth league organizations and just seeing the, the garbaggio that happens down there, the daddy balling and, and, and the handling and then the running of the, the sea biscuits and the man wars and the thoroughbreds because they're pretty doggone good and the talent levels there. There is an obligation that we have as coaches to come correct and make good by these efforts. I saw years ago a young man that broke some pretty outstanding records. I mean, broke the record of Eric Bieniemy's, um, became one of the top rushers in a Division One conference. I mean, he was a stud and was on a team that kind of lost. Um, they lost, I think, in the second round. And he was worthy of a whole bunch. And when it came down to it, his, his scholarship opportunities, and he was a very good student. Joker was smart as I'll get up. His scholarship opportunities at one point in time were 
um, Colorado State in Florida. He ends up getting a, a ride to Cal and going to Cal and being very successful and kicking butt right now and got a shot in the league with the Bears. However, there's a big discrepancy between Colorado State and Florida. I'm not knocking either school. I'm just saying there's a whole bunch of schools in between that he didn't um he didn't have access to or, or, or wasn't made aware of or they didn't know about. And it's not knocking, so it's just trying to figure out like how does something like this happen? And as coaches, we we, we gotta do better. I mean we, we have to. It's our obligation to have the discussions with mom, dad, Johnny, uh, Johnny's grandma, Johnny's uncle, um, the great uncle, whoever the caregiver is. Have that real discussion about the realities of playing at the next level and where they fit and, and the projections and, and what's going on and who's giving them traction and who's giving them action. And as much as they might want to go to D1 or, or the ACC or the SEC, if they're not knocking and they're not calling, it's our job to explain that to them and let them know if there are other viable options. And then have that real discussion so that if they choose to continue to play and it's there, but for them not to know or feel like it's too good for them and we don't have the wherewithal to say, hey, this is what it really looks like. And we get it and we're trying to help. And, and it's going to look like this in a classroom, look like this with your conduct, look like this with your social media, look like this with your, your work ethic, look like this with your coachability, look like this with your effort, look like this in your community. Um, we don't have those discussions. You end up having what we're having now in college sports where you're seeing guys get sent home or guys not make it or guys come home because they couldn't handle the rigors of what college football really is and the demands that are being placed on them. When you get to college and guys are walking away from scholarships because they've been entitled and treated like they're the second coming of Gail Sayers or Ronnie Lott or, you know, Bronco Nagurski whoever you want, whoever the great one is at the time, and, and there'll be another great and this and that. So what happens is when they get hit with some adversity, they don't know how to deal because we're not putting them in a realistic environment. We're pumping them up, pumping them up. We use their talents, ride their talents. We get the championships. We get the divisional championships. We get the state championships. We get the the influx of, of people wanting to come to the school, whether it be by transfer or people just recognize that the school does really well and everybody wants to play for a winning program. I get it. Um, and then everybody has the, the, the mindset that, uh, you know, people get out because you win and this and that and the other. And we get all of that. And, and, and we get things like coach of the year and, and known as some of the better coaches. And there are some really, really dynamic, awesome, great coaches out there. There, there are. They should trust me. Listen, there are. There are. There are. But the reality is that that we ride them. And then after we've ridden them and they're, you know, a 10 slower or the next group of sea biscuits come through. And if they haven't gotten what is obvious, like if it's not, if they're not a no brainer, if they're not a no brainer recruit, um, they don't meet the intangibles, a six foot one, 205 pound running back that can run a four, 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 five. And a joker is, you know, academically eligible and he's ready to rock and he's the next Najee Harris or whatever the case you want to call him. Right. If he's not that, and it's like, doesn't jump off the field as a no brainer, then they're not getting the help, but they still want to go and play on Saturdays. It might be on Saturdays at eight o'clock in the morning and in, in the middle of Iowa. 
It might be down there in stinking San Diego at USDA, but they want to play, and we're not allowing them to have access to that because we're not helping. But we sure will ride that thing and get that championship, and then they're left with the with the bad feeling. So it segues into the trainer or the handler that steps in that gap and says, hey, let me get you right. I can help you get right. Which then in turn provides or creates a a line of, of division. Because now the trainer is probably going to say something opposite than what the coach is saying. And if you don't have an, a relationship with the trainer or the trainer doesn't have a relationship and understanding and respect for the coach and the program, then what ends up happening is they begin to flood the ear of the student athlete with, oh man, you're not being used correctly. You should be doing this. Why are you doing that? Your coach is crazy. He's an idiot. You know, he's dogging you out. You should be doing this more. You should be getting the ball more. You should be playing this. You should be doing this. Hey, you know, you're, you need to be stronger here. You're not doing this right. Let me make a couple calls. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, everybody wants to help because, you know, everybody truthfully, you know, has good intentions, you know. But we also got to be mindful that the road to downstairs, the H-E double hockey sticks is paved with good intentions. So we got to be mindful. So, hence, the trainer and the coaches, trainers, and handlers. Trainer comes through, trainer's training. I'm not here to knock trainers because, shoot, I train. I'll train people that come in town, and I'll train high school, junior tackle, um, college pro guys. So I'm not, I'm not knocking them. You know, I'll train them. I think there has to be a healthy relationship and some boundary set. And when I say healthy relationship and boundary set, I mean that um, if I'm going to train, if somebody's going to train my kids, you know, my when I say my kids, I mean the guys that play for me on my team, i got to understand who's getting their hands on and who's talking to them. Now, I don't feel that our guys need to go elsewhere. I think I think we provide a nice situation for our guys. And once again, that goes back to the coaching part where the things that I think are, are needed for us to be successful at our place, it's my obligation to provide that for our kids as a coach so our program can be successful the way we want it to be. And we understand what the standard is for playing at location X, school X. So we got it all. But if I have a player that feels they need more, and they're not getting what they need from 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 our spot, which I think would be hard not to get it, providing that you know, considering that what what they're what they're surrounded by. If they feel they need more, okay, I'll be the first to help them and set them up to go get it from somebody. But best believe that I understand who they're getting it from, and we've had a discussion. And there's an understanding between me and the trainer of what is needed for our kid to be successful in our program. So there's a healthy conversation. I've sent some of my guys to some guys that I know and respect and know their body of work and know who they are and know what kind of fruit comes off their tree and know that their intentions are pure and they're not meant to try to steal or poach my kid or my player. Um, 
not meant to create dissension and confusion amongst my player. I, I, I know this. And so when we talk, there's a coalition, right? There's a collaboration. Hey, look, you know, got a guy I want you to take a peek at. Need some help here. I need him to work on some things technically, this, that, and the other. This is what we're doing. Hey, I like what you're teaching. You know, we talked about it. And so we have a healthy discussion. Um, there's a couple guys that, that I'll fool with outside of our kids working with me. Um, shout out, mad props to Jerry Davila, Billy Joe Hobart, Creed Morris, Jason Burrell. Shout out to him. Um, my kids of, you know, our players of, if they're going to do something, I might call them up and say, Hey, there's a guy I want you to, you know, take a peek at or do this with. Can you help them with this and that? If they're looking and they're like, Hey, we want to get a little bit more coach. Do you mind? No, I don't mind here. Here's a person. So I'm going to know some pretty good people. And you know what? There's a good relationship and it's healthy and it's fair and it's safe and there's trust. So I can direct a player to this person and know that, you know, during the course of the time of the training, there's going to be dialogue between head coach and trainer. Hey, been working with them on this. How's this looking? There's check-in. There's check-in. How's it looking? How's he doing? Hey, man, I need him to kind of do this. You know, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Well, hey, shoot, we kind of do this or we kind of do that. All right, yeah, I like that. Okay, well, can you have him do this? You might teach this, but this is how I kind of want him to do it for us and our system. How does that mesh? How are you sticking that in? Oh, we do it like that, so we can make that work, Coach. Great. Let's go. Let's go. Everybody wins in that because the, the end result is that the student athlete is being serviced and his family is being serviced. So the main thing is the kid, right? That's the main thing. It's not me. It's not my ego. It's not the trainer. It's not his ego. It's not how many people we put in college. It's not how many pros he trains. It's not how big his client base is. It's not how big my alumni base is. It's not how many rings or rings I, I have, don't have, uh, banners in the, in the gym. Um, yeah, it matters. And people want to know that because you don't want to go to places just as just horrible and there's no development. Um, but normally I've seen where there's development, there's success. When there's no development, there's no success. So the, in, the the bottom line is the development. So we're working hand in hand. Boom, boom, boom. The trainer and the coach. Okay, the trainer's good. He understands his lane. He's not trying to be Jerry Maguire. He's not trying to come in and side hustle and side swindle the kid and create confusion with the kid. So when the kid comes back and says, you know, my trainer told me I should do it like this. And what you got me doing is garbage. There is a lot of that going on out there. And then the kids and the parents feel extremely empowered to be able to come back and tell the coach how jacked up he is. And it was, uh, it's crazy because there was an article on Facebook today that was uh, kind of posted about um, confusion that the players get when they have to feel like they have to service. They got to listen to mom and dad at the dinner table about how horrible the coach is and they got to go to practice and work for and play for a coach that is not respected by the parents and there's no um, interaction and so now the kid's in, in conflict because who does he listen to, man? He doesn't listen to his coach. He don't play. If he doesn't listen to his parents, they're getting on him, getting him in trouble. So he begins to look, and we've all seen it. Johnny's getting coached. Coach is trying to tell him something. Johnny's eyes are wandering to the stands. And now in the stands, who's who? 
his trainer who's connected with mom and dad and came to watch the game and he's sitting in dad mom's here and yeah he's got him doing this i wouldn't have him doing that so now the kid comes sideline and he doesn't look to coach to get the the um adjustments he looks to the sideline and now he's getting his coaching mouth into him from trainers and parents and and it just it's it's a debacle so the kid's being confused and it's because the trainers don't understand their lanes and once again this is not all trainers i am not blasting all trainers but if we're fair and we're honest and we're open we can say that we recognize and we see that this happens I think the biggest mistake is um, the biggest mistake is hmm, we overlook that and all we want is a result. So, hey, coach says to avoid the conflict and confusion, I don't care where you train. Okay. Yeah, you want to train. You want to train in the offseason? So let me, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to stop you from training. Hey, I want to be the cool coach. Go train. Yeah, go ahead and go train. Go train. And just come back to me ready-made, man. Come back to me ready to rock. I had a discussion with the coach at a very, very prominent program uh, last year. Man, I respect and know been known for a long time. Recruited his high school. He's been at, I don't know, three, four different high schools as a head coach. Very respected. Um, he was a back-end coordinator uh, at a very, very prestigious school in Southern California. Most recently, within the last couple of years, and they won some championship, and they've they done some big things. Okay. So I'm talking to him one day at a coach's convention or conference. And we're having a discussion, and he said he ran into a situation where here he has probably one of the better uh, back ends in Southern California, in the Southern section, one of the better back ends, okay? And when I mean back ends, I mean secondaries. And they're all, shoot, five-star, top-dollar, high-end, big-name guys. So they're all they're all dudes, Okay. <laughs> The funny part, or I shouldn't say funny, the thing that kind of really cracked me up was the fact that he said at one point in time, he has four back-end guys doing four different things, opposite of what the coordinator is called. And what he's dealing with is the fact that his guys are telling him, yeah, my trainer said that I need to play such and such and such and such, covered such and such and such, because he talked to his school and the school said they need to see me play more of this. So forget that the coordinator during the game on Friday night is called something so the team can be successful and have a chance to, to win. Forget that. Forget that. We need to play, or I, I, I. I, Deshaun Burns, I need to play this coverage or show this type of technique so that I can get my scholarship because my trainer then told me I need to do this. This is what my trainer said, so I need to do this over what the coordinator and the position coach were instructing me to do. So he told me it was a nightmare. How does he get, you know, he's got four guys doing different stuff. I mean, so 
there's no coverage that exists where one guy's going to play a cover two, one guy's going to play a cover three, one guy's going to play a quarters, one guy's going to play a two man. You know, they he don't they don't have that 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 don't exist where he's at. That don't exist in the pros. That don't exist in college. How do I know I've been there? So I I've never seen that. And that kind of behavior and that kind of thought process gets you what we call fire. Right? Get you sitting on the bench, get you cut, get you removed, get your scholarship reduced in the sense of it becomes real hard for you to get on the field and it becomes really difficult for you to maintain and manage at school. So then you transfer because you're not happy because you're not getting on the field. And it, 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 it you become uncoachable. You, become, you, you get deemed uncoachable. That's what that behavior gets you. But the trainer's not there accountable for that. What they're saying is your coach is, you know, off kilter. And I've been training you in the park and letting you know that you need to do it like this. Because University X told me, you know, my buddy at University X told me they want to see you do this. If they see you play like this, they'll offer you. So the kid listens to him. And then the coach, once again, doesn't know what he's talking about. So if you're training, train, you know, train, train them on technique, train them on, on footwork, train them on, on the intangibles of the game, being more explosive in and a break, whatever it might be, you know, hand strike, hand placement, and make sure it falls in line with, you know, what you're, you know, where, where they're playing at. And then be sure, be sure to establish an understanding of, look, you know, I'm, I'm showing you how to do it like this. However, son. If your coach comes back and says he wants to do it this way, you need to do it the way the coach is asking you to do it. Because that is the quickest ticket to the bench. Doing it another way and then telling the your current coach, you know, my trainer said. Okay? At least that's the stance that I take. And I say that from a stance of, you know, being a, somebody that works at uh, these, the FBU, which is, a, you know, a three-day camp that deals with, you know, all ages from elementary, you know, youth league up to high school, some of the top players in the country. Um, we're quick to tell the kids or the young men and the, and, the, and the young kids there, hey, look, if your coach is telling you to do this at your high school, do that. Do what the coach is asking you to do. I, I'm, I'm so fast to tell the kid that and tell the families that. All you do is sit in a meeting. You hear me? Hey, if your coach wants you to do this, you better do it. Do not go back and tell your coach, hey, coach, you don't know what you're talking about. Coach Burns told me at FBU this weekend I need to do this. You know, my coach, my FBU coach, my, uh, you know, because his, his, his resume says this, you know, he said I should do it like this. So basically you're whack, he's right, and I'm going to do it the way my FBU guy told me to do it. I don't have a team over at that location, right? That's not my team. The FBU guy is going to be in another city, and he's going to be teaching and coaching the techniques he's been paid and hired to do. So do it because, you know, there's some success with it. You know, we've seen it. We, we've, we're a credible source, I believe, or that trainer might be credible, you know, whoever it is. But do it within the confines of the of the system. If your coach allows you to... To do some things, and then he 
lets you do some things and you do it and, and, and there's some success to it and he asks you, hey, where'd you get that from? There's your segue to, you know, give your trainer some credit or there's your segue trainer to get your validation. Chances are if you do it right, the coach asked little Johnny, hey man, do that again. Where'd you get that from? Oh, let me check that out. Oh, that was nice. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, let, let, let's work on that. Hey, won't you work with our guys? Show me that again. Yeah, th that's how you create a relationship that's healthy. And the trainers and the coaches work together. And once again, the kids benefit and they're serviced. When part A is not working to create a part B or understand how part B works, here comes part C, the handler. The handler jumps in and says, hmm, yeah, I see you. I'll match you and I'll raise you. And my intentions are, you know, I'm the street agent. And once again, not, uh, how do I say this? Not all handlers are bad. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I think there's good intentions. I think they care initially, but I think there's some different motives. Let's, let's be for real. It's a big business, right? Big money, big business. Um, there's a lot that can be capitalized on if you're not educated on it. So the handler comes in and, and tells you where he thinks you need to be based on his connection, his knowledge, his, his, his hookup, his, you know, whatever his, his, his measurables are to the sports world community and the society. You, 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 you know, we drink the Kool-Aid. We believe the hype. That's what happens. Okay? We drink the Kool-Aid. We believe the hype. We check things out. And then what we end up doing is um, finding out um how do i say finding out that the the trainer or excuse me the handler apologize the handler his motives are a little different they look a little different and i'm saying this with all due respect once again it's not knocking i'm not here to take any money out of anybody's pocket but but man you know it, i think what gets left out is these people that don't know, you know, and which provides the avenue for the train or the handler to come in and kind of take advantage of. And that might ruffle some feathers, you know, but it's the truth. I've seen it. I I'm watching it. I've, I've been on every end of it. And me and myself personally, I, I mean, I'm very selective in the guys that, I, that I'll deal with. When I was coaching college ball, when I get some information on a kid, I'm cross-checking, double-checking, triple-checking, cross-referencing, doing all this stuff. I'm, I'm doing all of that before I just take the word of the handler, you know, Johnny Joe Street Agent. He's trying to tell me and tell me this kid's the next greatest thing since, you know, Sean Taylor. And I'm crazy if I don't offer him or this or that and the other. And, you know, I don't know what they're telling Johnny. I don't know what they're telling Johnny's mom and dad. I just know what they're telling him something. Because they're blowing my line up and trying to get me to pull a trigger on, on somebody or something I haven't seen enough of. And I don't know what's really going on with them. So, dang, you know. And and they're relentless. So what happens is 
they begin to edge the coach out because now the desired result that the player wants or the family wants is not coming by way of the coach. He's not being used correctly. The handler's on the circuit doing whatever he does, wherever he does it at, however he does it, with whoever he does it with. He's on the circuit doing his thing. And you know what? He knows better than the coach that is there daily dealing with Johnny, who didn't go to class for three to four, five, six days during the course of the month, who's been in trouble, who's talking reckless to the teachers, who is looking at maybe getting suspended because he hasn't done something. And so Handler comes in and, and convolutes the process himself because he creates confusion. And once again, we're all supposed to be helping Johnny and his family. And in our way, we think we are. But the reality is we're not. So the handler finds a way to come in and, and create a, an in row. And I think that's safe to say. Once again, I'm not, you know, I'm not blasting. I'm just stating facts. The handler comes in and creates an in row and is like, yeah, you should be doing this. And the coach doesn't know. So I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to transfer. You need to go on and get over here because they're not doing over here. And, and transferring is going to happen. Transferring is going to happen. It does happen. Um, in this day and age, in transferring, they chase, they go after some stuff because they believe in some other things. And, and sometimes it's valid. Um, can't say that. Um, the coach is not going to be happy a kid transferring. He gets a good player. The transfer is in. He can help the program. Yeah, you know. I can sit there and say that he's not happy when he, tra- he gets a kid to transfer in. The kid's a good kid. He's not problematic. He's not a headache. And he's a pleasure to coach. Can't say a coach is not happy when he gets a transfer. Kid transfers in because it's, it, it, it builds your roster. It gives you more players. I mean, okay, there's all of those things. But when they're being promoted to transfer because – they're being told that their their, their their signal caller, their coach, is the idiot. And he's not a good coach, doesn't know what he's doing, he's this and that and the other. They begin to listen to these handlers that have a different agenda. And I've seen it. And out of professionalism, professional courtesy, I'm not going to you know put people on blast. That's not what this is designed to do. Is designed to educate, actually, and just talk about and create an open forum. Okay, so the handler comes in, stakes his claim, finds a foothold, and now you have three different arenas operating with one common denominator, being the student-athlete and the, the parent, trying to get one desired result. All the parents want is for their kids to to get the most out of the, the opportunity. And in most cases, they want to see their kids go off to school. I mean, who wouldn't? Your kid's playing sports. He desires to play sports. He wants to play. He's trying to play at the highest level, whatever that may be. So then the parents are going to, you know, do what they can to help. And, and all in good in good fashion, all in, in good measure, all with good intentions. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to be divisive. They're not going to go against one each other. And what ends up happening is there's factions, right? 
parents don't trust the coach. The coach feels like the parents are headaches. They should be working together. Trainers see that as a, as a way to, you know, um, segue in and get a little juice. And then the handler sees it in a way to segue in and get a little juice and separate the parties and create the confusion. And at the end of it, Johnny is clamoring and hoping that he gets offered. And he's going to go to where the attention, right? They're going to go to where the results are. This is be for real. And that's not always the best way to do things. So, hopefully, this has been insightful. It's not meant to take a shot. Nobody's taking a shot. Nobody's putting anybody out there. Just kind of saying, hey, wake up. Let's recognize what's truly important. Keep the main thing the main thing. And as adults, as adults, coaches, trainers, and handlers, Let's really get a get a beat on what we should be doing to help the people that we say we care about, which are the players that play for us on Friday nights, the guys that come to us on Saturday and Sunday mornings or during the weekday, meet us in the park, meet us at the gym, the kid that goes and plays seven on seven for us <clears throat> and pays, I don't know, ungodly amounts of money to play seven on seven. That's just really important. Trophies are going to the Hall of Champions. Okay. Trophies going to the Hall of Champions. Um, the stinking, uh, uh, the All-League things go up on the wall. Right? They go up on the wall. Um, and those things happen. So, let's think about that. Let's think about that. All right, this has been Coach Burns. And uh, signing out. Coaches, trainers, and handlers, Omar.